Highline Nation, what is going on? Trent Davis back at you again with episode 92 of the Highline. And uh, just me. I'll explain a little bit later. Uh, we'll talk about Atlanta. What a great race. What a great event. Uh, I had a blast watching it on Sunday. We'll talk about that race and review it. And also, is Atlanta now the best track in the NASCAR Cup Series today? Better than any track on the circuit. We'll talk about it. Also, will tracks in question like an auto club, like Texas, will they follow this Atlanta model and make it into a hybrid super speedway track? And should they? Also, we got penalties to hand out. They got handed out for or, uh, SHR and the 22 team in Joe Logano. And we got a lot of stuff to talk about in the RTT segment. I'll make it quick. Uh, Daniel Suarez, the TV ratings, the truck and Xfinity races. Is this the best finish ever from Sunday? And Dale Jr.'s TV contract. We'll get into all that. And I'll give you my attaboy from Atlanta. My you can't do that from Atlanta. And Vegas is this, is this weekend. I will preview the race and give you my pick. Let's get it. Davis. Alright, Lambry. Take out We don't need no education. Please refrain. <laughs> you can't do that! Let's fucking go! What's up, Highline Nation? <laughs> Coming at you after the podcast has been shot. Although they haven't heard it yet. They had not heard it yet, but uh, this is the day after Trent gave you uh, probably what would be a just a just an A-plus solo performance. <laughs> yeah, did the best um, I could. Yeah, the plan was for me to be over here yesterday and, and shoot the podcast, but uh, the wife is sick as a dog, so I had to stay at home and help with the baby and help with her and all that. So she's feeling a little bit better right now, but uh, still not great. So I'm over here uh, just to give my uh, recap of the weekend. And uh, how many times do you think I tripped over my dick last night? Seven hundred. That's <laughs> uh, probably a good, good medium right there. Well, you said it was about an hour and twenty. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, well, so. including the intro and stuff, probably like an hour twenty-five. So I would say. Legitimately, probably twelve. Once every ten minutes, you said some stupid shit. Probably, yeah, probably. Um, but no, nah, it was. Uh, it's going to be good. Um, I think. What is this the second time you've had to shoot one solo? Mm-hmm. Last year was when you were in Colorado, right? Nashville. You were in Nashville. Well, yeah, I was in Colorado, but it was the weekend oh, after Nashville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was the weekend after Chicago. No, because I was watching the Chicago race on the way home. Oh, okay, never mind. You're, you're right. I got sick as a dog that night. So I yeah. think that was when I was drinking Bushlight Peach on the podcast. That explains my it. guts up. Yep, that explains it. That shit's dog shit. But uh, luckily, I did not have the same experience last night. Yeah. After the podcast. Well, uh, 
in other news. Um, my mom is also sick, so I have to take off work tomorrow to stay at home and watch the young and again. Oh, so, boy. Uh, just being Mr. It'll be a rough weekend. Being Mr. Mom this weekend. But, um, yeah. yeah, so uh, just get oh, right. Oh, yeah, real quick. Yeah. So yeah, I had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, obviously I didn't do a song last night. And it sucks because I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to get you. Like, it's going to be a good one. I was probably going to fuck it up. Um, Why didn't you do what, a song? Well, there's no point in me doing a song if you ain't here. Well, you don't do it for me. You do it for them. Well, it's mainly for you. Um, but this is going to be a good one. Sing it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, did you ever guess what song it was? Not even a clue. It's a very popular song. It's a country song. Last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Charlie Daniels Band. Oh. Uh, is it haven't you done that one? No. I'm pretty sure you've done no, it. No, I haven't. Okay. The Embrys Embry went down to Georgia and they were looking for a race to watch. This <laughs> house is going to start it off. I'm pretty sure you've done that. The devil was way behind looking to make a deal. Saw this young race car driver in a 99 car playing it hot. I'm glad <laughs> That's you where didn't I was going it. with the song. And uh, yeah, we're not, we're not going to continue. Uh, to yeah, I it. thought you might have done Georgia. Georgia. We on the grind in Georgia all the time. Ain't nothing on my mind but Georgia. Georgia. That's a bop. That is. What did we do last year? Welcome to Atlanta? Yeah, we did that Well, there was, there was two. So it was Welcome to Atlanta and probably oh. something to do with rain. What did we do? Because that's the race we went to. Yeah. Um, I just played it yesterday to make sure I didn't do The Devil Went Down to Georgia. I don't remember what it was. But anyways, go ahead. With your anyways, race, so we'll race get into it. The race experience. I went to the race this weekend at the Atlanta Super Speedway. Um, That's not the name of the track. I know, but it is. Um, it was actually a pretty good time. You know, last year when we went, we both said it was one of the better races we'd been to. I said it was the best race I'd ever been to. Uh, and that was with the really terrible ending. Uh, well, this year, the racing was very similar. Um, from what I could see from the crowd, um, this year I was sitting in turn, well, I was, I was sitting kind of in the dog leg after the start finish line. So I was like, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, so right were, at the end of at pit road. So Tori told me you were close to where we were last year. No. Um, that's what Brad. Yeah. So I was, as soon as you cross the start finish line, you go through the trioval. And then right at the end, like, I was directly in front of Michael McDowell's pit stop, so the last pit stop on pit road. So there's still probably another 50 yards to the end of pit road for me, but I was right in that area. Uh, pretty good seats. We were about uh, probably halfway up. Uh, we were, like, the fifth row on the second deck. Um, but uh, they were great seats. The only thing I could say was the handrails – were right in my line of sight, seeing Ooh, seeing the yeah, exit, seeing the exit of four, and seeing the entry to one. There was handrails in my way, but I could stand up and see around them if I needed to, or yeah. kind of duck my head a little bit to. Yeah, speaking to of see that, was there? I mean, I, I mean, I you know, y'all know my well, you will know my race review from last night, but uh, 
how much, how intense the racing was, I felt like you were had to be standing up almost the whole time. Well, like I said yesterday, I told you that the people around me weren't that yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was a bunch of, like, people that didn't seem... Like, they were they were interested in it, and they all had, like, NASCAR swag on, but they mm. were kind of like... Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it was just, like, normal to them. Yeah. It wasn't like... They weren't super it's excited about it. It's race here in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. but... Um, so, yeah, I mean... After restarts, everybody was standing, of course, as you always do. And yeah. then when the wrecks happened, people were standing. But um, it, we didn't stand the whole time. But um, it was definitely an exciting race. Definitely, you know, edge of your seat stuff uh, the whole time. Um, I loved it, man. I, th- I think it was better than last year's. Um, and that's a lot to do with, you know, we actually got to see the end of this one. Mm-hmm. Um Beer was a little bit more expensive this year, so that wasn't too good. But uh, it was uh, that's Dale Junior's fault. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's the hottest ticket in the sport. We got to raise the beer prices. Yeah. People will be coming up this year. Yeah, but uh, no, it was great. Um, got there um, about eleven o'clock. Started drinking. Um, walked around the infield or the uh, not the infield the uh, what's that shit outfield. called? Yeah, <laughs> the outfield. <laughs> Walking around outside of the track for a little while, looking at the vendors and stuff. Um, Trackside Live or whatever that show is that they mm-hmm. do was there. So okay. Kenny Wallace and Johnny Roberts. Johnny Roberts and then that other dude with the goatee that I don't know his name that's kind of annoying um, was there. Uh, and uh, Christopher Bell was there um, given his terrible, terrible takes. Yeah. Um, so we walked away from that, um, went and bought a hat. In a shirt. Real quick, we used to Christopher Bell. Um, you know how you think of William Byron? I'm starting to think of how, how Christopher Bell is for me. Mm. I can't stand that motherfucker. Anyways, go ahead. Anyways, uh, yeah, so walked around out there. Um, there wasn't a lot going on out there. Like, we didn't stay out there very long, to be honest. We kind of got to our seats, and we were hungry, so we wanted to go in and, and get some food. But we went in, found our seats. Did like you find a, my hat? No, I looked. Fuck. Just couldn't find it nowhere. Uh, found our seats, sat down. Uh, we were like the first ones there, of course, because you know that's just the way I do things. I just yeah. I have to be the first one in the stadium or the the, the racetrack wherever I'm at. But uh, so we sat down, kind of hung out for a little while. Um, some you know country singer started doing some country songs. I don't remember his name. He wasn't very good. I didn't think, uh, but he did a tribute to toby keith um so that was probably the best part of his concert his original songs all sucked i thought um but uh then it did driver intros i was like the only one in the area booing and yelling mm-hmm. like everybody else was kind of just like yay or whatever boo yeah. of course when i'm there i'm i'm yelling you fucking suck i'm doing all this <laughs> stuff brooks getting embarrassed um there's a chase elliott fan that's like seven to the left of me, I booed uh-huh. very hard for for Chase <laughs> Elliott, and I think he he was not happy with me. I think he was going to cry. Wait, uh, he was seven years old. Or you had seven Chase Elliott fans, both. Oh, okay, um, but he was like seven years old, and he mm. was he was not happy. Uh, but then he booed Brad Keselowski and, and, and uh, Chris Buescher pretty hard when they came out because I yelled for him. Yeah. Uh, everybody I yelled for, he booed. Everybody I booed, he he yelled for. Uh, so that was pretty fun. But uh, they were all kind of like weird people uh around me so like they kept saying stuff like 
to make themselves sound smart, but they were like obviously wrong yeah. about it. And uh, well, when we went there last year, those those college kids that we sat beside, didn't we? Yeah, we talked to them for a while. Those, they, were, they were very knowledgeable. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. guys knew what they were talking about, but but these people did. These people did not. They were all right, but they were they were just not into it like I was into it. Yeah. So it wasn't like last year where we had like-minded folks around me. Plus, Brooke hates when I get into stuff, so <laughs> I just kind of had to sit there and not yell and scream. Um, Bite your lip. Yeah, but uh, once the race started, um, of course, that wreck happened on lap one. Couldn't really tell what happened from my perspective. Um, I was looking at Brad. Um, so what happened there was Todd Gillen was checking up to try to let mm-hmm. Michael McDowell in. Yeah, of course. You know, I, I know that now. Break, uh, yeah. I texted you and asked you what had happened there, and you told me. Um, even on the – Oh, you did text me that one? Yeah. I thought I – thought you. I, I said this last night. I was still like half asleep yeah. when that lap two – because I remember uh, – you'll hear this on my segment last night that – I was awake when I woke up when they were doing driver charger engines. They were doing the pace laps, talking to people. I kind of dozed back off, and I woke up for the green flag, but I kind of dozed back off for that lap. And I woke back up on lap, like, six, and they were under caution. I'm like, <laughs> and I, I was like, what the fuck? They already wrecked. And then I see the replay. I'm like, holy fucking shit. Why did I fall back asleep? But anyways, go ahead. Yeah, so. Like I said, you couldn't really tell it, and on those screens that they had there, they didn't really show. I mean, they did show what happened, but you couldn't tell. Yeah, the screens in Atlanta, if I remember, weren't great. Yeah, they're good enough, but that you just couldn't really tell exactly what started the, the wreck. And then, uh, you know, from from there, they kind of raced hard, and, you know, Brad was at the back. Uh, he said his car wasn't handling all that well, so he didn't really try to push it that much. But Did you get scanners? No, we didn't. didn't. Um, Chris was, uh, Chris was up there and then Chris spun out. Uh, I thought he had a tire go down. Kind of everybody did. I texted you and asked me what happened with that. And he said he just lost it. And then, you know, there was a bunch more wrecks throughout there. I can't even remember them all. Yeah. I died. Um, I don't think last night I went through every yeah, wreck. I think I I th- the middle portion of the race was really good though. I liked the end of stage two, uh, the green flag pit stops. Um, surprisingly enough, I think that was my favorite part of the race, uh, was that, you know, green flag pit stop. Like uh, 22, put 17 in the wall. No, nah, that was lap. my least least favorite uh, <laughs> part of the race. But um, well, that was the end of stage. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> G- going to that, you know, two to go uh, from like 20 to go to like two to go in that stage. One was, to go before you getting out of two was yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, I liked the green flag pit stops. Uh, Brad had a good pit stop. Um, you texted me and said Brad had a bad one, but it was no. Just, I didn't say he had a bad one. It, he didn't on get Fox, on the pit road. Yeah, dude. on the Fox broadcast, it it should, like it looked like he just like stopped and people. Like, well, yeah, two people the, flew by the him. number one passed him. Yeah, and, and he got was penalty. speeding on yeah, pit yeah. road. So yeah, I was like, I knew it as soon as I saw it yeah. happen. I was like, that motherfucker was speeding. Yeah. Um, so, but that was good. You know, watching them spread out and kind of you know get linked back up together and yeah it was cool it was cool to see it was really cool to see in person it was kind of hard to keep up with who was who and mm-hmm. where they were which yeah. is it always is when you're there especially if you get like penalties involved yeah. with it now too but um so that was good and then of course Joey went and ruined my day um which uh what was your reaction to that well i couldn't tell that it was chris Mm. So, like, because it happened going into three, so it was literally the furthest away from me is that it could be. You mean going 
Um, talking about the Joey and Joey and Brad, Joey or Joey, and Joey and Chris. Well, that was coming off a of two. Well, it started off a of two, but he put him in a fence off a of three. If no, I remember no, no, correctly, no, no. they they wrecked coming out of two down the back stretch. I was drunk at this point. Yeah, they they yeah, it happened off a of two because Joey was trying to. Trying to okay, whatever. It. it was still as furthest away from me as it could be, you know, going down a backstretch. Yeah. Um, well, Joey, listen, I'm going to go ahead and do, do this now because I'm not going to do it later in the day. Joey's getting my you can't do that. I don't know who you pick, <laughs> but Joey's getting mine for, for this weekend. Yeah. Uh, first off, how the fuck do you cheat with a glove? Yeah, like, how much did that help? Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, I saw a video where he did it at Daytona. Daytona, too, sure, so. sure. But Michael McDowell isn't using it. Yeah, Mike Wendell might be a better race car yeah, driver. No, um, but <laughs> he's not. You know, like, it, and it's there's no reason he needed that glove to 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 hold a prettier wheel. Well, here's the problem: <laughs> he it, well, he had nothing to do with holding the wheel. His fucking spotter was in his ear, according to you know people that I have listened to. Uh, his spotter was outside, outside, out. Or, no, he said he's clear, he's clear, he's clear, and then he's like. You're not clear. You're not he clear. Said, you got to get up. Got to get up. Got to get up. And he never did. Yeah. And then you know he sees Chris he has to run, and then we well, said he pushed. He got tight in the middle of the backstretch. No, he got tight off of two. That's where they start. That's where the wreck started. They did not wreck in the middle of the backstretch. He did not cut them off in the middle of. The he backstretch. ran them up the fence and yeah, the- off of two. But and he did. They, they finished the whole wreck down the backstretch. He did not get out of the throttle until the wreck had already happened, or was it was? Yeah, he inevitable. was getting out of the throttle coming, as, off of, coming off of two as they were wrecking, essentially. No, if I remember correctly, well, I don't which, know. I can't. You know. It, it seemed like to me that Joey blocked him, mm-hmm. and and it doesn't seem logical that it was any other. I got tight or anything else. Um, it, it seemed like Joey blocked him. And he definitely could have avoided that wreck. And uh, I was very, very upset at Chris Busher, uh, or I mean at, at Joey Logano, for, for wrecking Chris there. See Chris's uh, reaction? Oh, he's pissed. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Throwing his hands yeah. up. He's and literally he's in the middle of a wreck doing yeah. this. He's like, what, <laughs> what the, the fuck? fuck? <laughs> he's still carrying Joey down the back straight. Yeah. like, what the fuck, bro? Yeah. Um, that, that was funny. That was funny. Um, and and I will say this, Attaboy is going to Chris Busher for getting a top ten for finishing ninth um, after you know completely demolishing did, his car. Did so. you see the the uh, obviously the finish, which I'll ask you about here in a second, but um, the the margin between Michael McDowell at eighth and Chris Busher ninth was one one thousandth of a second. I didn't even see that. Yeah, it's closer than, than, than Blaney finish. and Daniel. Is like it was. It would have tied the. It was would have been tied for the closest finish in NASCAR history between them two. If it was for which the one was the closest? Was it Craven and is Craven and Bush? Craven and Bush and uh, Jimmy and and Clint at Talladega. Yeah, I remember that one too. Um, but uh, but it's the closest finish between the first three finishers ever. Yeah, boy, yeah. dragging all sorts of shit. Yeah, I did hear that. Um, yeah, because it was. 7 one-thousandths of a second with the swing first and third. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the finish was awesome. Um, before we got to the finish, we had Brad that was probably going to win the race, I thought. Um, I never saw it. I know his car was got hit. His car 
he was he, he, him Damn. him and Joey at at the end of stage two I think had the best cars. Okay, uh, it, it just looked like Brad could do what he wanted to, um, and he could lead a line. He could push. Uh, he he passed some cars on the bottom, uh, and he was running a different line. I don't know if you could see it on TV, and this is what kind of caused him to wreck. I think so. He would enter kind of. Not at the top, not at the bottom. He'd kind of enter in in the middle and let it drift up the top. Um, he's kind of, you know, driving it in like a Darlington line. I, I, yeah, I saw um, a few guys do that. And, and and he was doing it the most aggressive. It looks like he was sliding it up there like he was at Darlington. Yeah. And it was working for him until it didn't. And and what I think happened with him in that situation. Oh, Chris. Chris did the same the thing. Same way. Yeah, Chris did the same thing. And, and a lot of it's got to do with the setup. Uh, clearly, two cars, two Roush cars, mm-hmm. two teammates, the only two to do it, and they both do it in the same spot. So yeah. it's obviously some setup, probably got on the bump stops a little bit. Uh, but but what it looked like to me is when, when he drove it in on the middle, car gets tight on purpose, washes it up the hill, no uh, air gets on the nose, which loosens the car up a little bit because now you've got some front down force giving you some turn. You've already got a lot of wheel in it because you're trying to keep it off the wall. Air hits that nose. There's a bump right there. You know, you probably hit the, you know, car travels a little bit, hit that bump, hit the bump stops, unsettles the rear end of the car, and you've got, you know, three or four different things at one time making you loose. Was there anybody in front once. of him too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, that so he, he drove it in because I think he was second or third on the top, top line, uh, drove it in there deep, lets it slide up the hill, uh, gets tight behind that car, slides it up the hill. Gets air on the nose, which frees the car up, hits the bump, which unsettles the car. He's already got a bunch of wheel in it anyway, and you know at that point he was he was just done, and uh, it was very frustrating because, you know, at that point I thought both of my guys were fucked because Chris mm-hmm. was slow at that point, yeah. and you know Brad was of course out of the race because somebody sniffed his rear end and broke a toe link. So that'd be Cat Larson. Um, but uh, I, I will say, as far as the cars go. Um, it's cool to see that guys like Chris and Denny, you know, are in hard wrecks yeah. and, and they can continue on. So I, I don't think I ever really got into that. I think last night, because I've said it, is it a good thing? I think I questioned it. I don't know if I ever answered my question, <laughs> if it was a good thing yeah, or not. You were probably drunk as hell last night. So. Uh, yeah, I was, <laughs> I was getting there. But so. um, I think it's a good thing. Do you think that, it's a good thing? I think it's a good thing that they can continue, sure. The problem is... Um, I still don't understand Denny, how Denny was able to. Denny should have been put at the rear. Of the yes. Field, I, uh, it didn't matter in the grand scheme of things because yeah, he ended up getting another another wreck anyway. But, um, but if, if you're in the wreck, you got go to you the gotta back. go to the back. Yeah, I don't care if it's caused by you or not. Yeah. And he just restarted, what, Well, fourth? to be fair, he did pit and beat those guys off pit road, which is why he got those positions. Yeah, but, still. you know, still, you know, you deserve – I think you should have to go to the back there. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I also think that they should get rid of the damage vehicle policy, which I've been saying that since they've got it. I think I think you, yeah I think, now because the cars can take so much beating is all you, pretty much the only thing that's going to knock you out of the race is if you knock the uh, toe link out, toe link out, or you knock the uh, radiator, radiator out. out. Um, which back in the day, if you knocked a radiator out of it, they usually didn't put a new radiator in it. The only yeah. time they, they they usually went back to fix suspension or maybe mm-hmm. an oil cooler, but. Listen, yeah. if you blow up on lap two and you got another motor and you want to drop it in that motherfucker, you yeah. should be able to, I think. It'd but, be stupid of you to do. Yeah, but. <laughs> I think you should be able to, If which technically you still can because that's not a wreck. Uh, that's, a, yeah. that's a mechanical issue. But um, I, I think that if you can fix it, 
you should be able to race it. As long as, as long as you can make minimum speed, you should be able to be out there. Yeah, because I mean, if I guess it is good because if a lap, if if we're in an old car with that lap two wreck, I mean, there'd be. Uh, it'd have been an awful yeah. race. I think. I it'd have been like fifteen cars. I thought left. the three was done because uh, I look. I I forgot that these cars can't drive with the flat tires for some reason. So I guess that's what happened. Because uh, the three car was parked in the infield for like a couple laps forever, and I was like, oh, he must be going to the infield care center. He must be done. Mm-hmm. And then you know I'm over here, you know, texting you, asking what happened, and I'm looking, you know, looking at Chase's damage as he drives yeah. by, and I'm looking at um, these everybody's other, damage. Yeah, everybody <laughs> else's damage. Uh, trying to see, you know, watching replays, trying to see if Brad got any, which mm-hmm. he got, he did a good job getting through there. Um, and then I see fucking the three car just come flying by. I'm like, there ain't a fucking scratch <laughs> on that car. What the hell? Um, but it, he ended up getting another wreck, I'm pretty sure. But I think everybody was in a wreck last night or Sunday night. So, except for, I think all but five cars yeah. were involved in wrecks. Yeah, Sunday. even the winner had had some damage. I think involved. he was in the Daniel, first one. Yeah, Daniel was involved in the first one. But you know that 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 finish was was great. Um, Could you tell who won? Oh, I thought Blaney had him. Um, yeah. From my perspective, it looked like Blaney got there first. It was obvious to me that it wasn't Kyle. Uh, yeah. But I, you know, it was between. I'll be honest with you. I didn't even know who the car was on the outside. I couldn't tell <laughs> because I was watching Chris. Yeah. I wasn't watching the lead until they got into three and four because I thought they were going to wreck. Yeah. Um, you know, once they once they started the green-white checkered, I was like, there's absolutely no way that they don't wreck here. Real quick before the finish, so they went four wide a few times. Yeah, yeah. I like with Cindric. How, how was that? <laughs> well, it happened right in front of me. Yeah, I was about to say it happened right when Cindric that's where the dog Because that's where they were all making moves. And Cindric yeah. had been doing it all day. And Briscoe. Briscoe. Briscoe did it to Brad a few times. And I was fucking pissed. <laughs> uh, because he would just, you know. Clint on the broadcast said. <laughs> went after, after it was a dart without red. feathers. Yeah, dart without feathers. Yeah, I heard that part. Damn, but that's his old car. Yeah, he. Uh, Briscoe was pissing me off this weekend. But, you know, those four wides were crazy. I texted you, holy shit, when mm-hmm. it happened. Because um, it looked crazy. It didn't look like it should have worked, and it did. It looked crazy um, on TV. It was, it was awesome to see. Uh, Truex got fucked in that deal. He went like from Well, I think he just got out of it. 15th. Uh, he was holding on for dear life. Was getting, he? Yeah, he was getting beat up in the middle. And he finally just got out of it. Yeah, but they. Uh, it, was, it was definitely cool to see. Um, because, you know, you can, you can do that, but... It takes skill. Mm-hmm. It's not like four wide at Daytona, which is yeah. you know you or I could do, but you know four wide at Atlanta. Um, that's, pushing the boundaries. Yeah, there. that's that's pushing the boundaries, and all those guys did well. Um, and then they did it again. I think that's what caused that last wreck. Um, was them going four wide? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, with Briscoe and Denny and yeah. stuff. That wasn't the last wreck. The last wreck was Carson and, and Josh Berry on the back stretch. That's right. When I forgot Carson, that one. Carson got. Airborne there for a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the finish. So yeah, so that finish they came off a three or four. And you and were looking at the you look at you were you looking at the lead at that point? Yeah. So as soon as Chris got off the back stretch and I didn't see them wrecking in front of him, I was like, Chris is going to probably finish tenth here. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. He's not going to have a chance unless they wreck coming into three. So yeah. I turned my 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 attention to them and I saw Blaney go low. And then I saw that the 99 high, and I'm like, well, it's going to be between these two, and, and Blaney looks like he's got the help because he had Bubba behind him. And then Bubba pushed up. And then, you know, the eight shoots the middle. Um, 
Well, he was already in the middle at this point, yeah. but he, you know, is there anything that there. Blaney did wrong? No, that you saw? I, there's nothing that anybody could have done any differently there. I think everybody did what they were supposed to do, and you know, it just worked out for. I think the only thing Blaney did wrong 99. was he just got a little too far out coming off of two. Yeah, which you can't really control. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, hey, shit happens. You know, but. the guy backed up. It is what it is. But uh, the 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 twenty three getting tight is what won Torres race. If mm-hmm. if Bubba didn't get tight, he's pushing Blaney. Yeah, he's pushing Blaney, and Blaney wins the race. But because you can't go below that yeah. line, it's like Daytona Talladega. Yeah, so, no. uh, but when they came off a of four, and I'm like, oh shit, this is gonna be crazy. And they get to the line, and I immediately look at the the monitor, mm-hmm. and it's it's showing Blaney as the leader. Yeah. And I'm like, I think Blaney did it. And then it swapped to yeah. Suarez, yeah. and I was like, fuck. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> fuck. At work. At work. I'm watching the finish. I'm like, holy shit, holy shit. I'm at work. Like, we had just gotten into work when my shift started. There's people walking around, and I'm watching it. <laughs> they cross the line. I'm like, like, I got quiet. <laughs> then they show Suarez. I said, fuck. <laughs> and people start looking at me at work. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, it was great. Um, it better Suarez than a couple of guys that could have won it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it is what it is. Um, in real, I don't think I talked about this last night. Do you see Samantha Bush's response? Yeah, Kyle yeah. said, I just need a few more inches there. I've <laughs> been saying that for 10 years. Uh, that was funny. That was funny. Um, but uh, so uh, last couple things here, just some housekeeping. Who did you pick last week? Uh, Justin Haley. Justin Haley. So you won because Brad mm-hmm. finished dead last. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty much, yeah. I think he finished 35th. Uh, finished twentieth. Yeah, so you know it is what it is. So we're tied up now. Mm-hmm. So who'd you pick last night? Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson. Mm-hmm. Um, he's won. I, my reason that was he's won like three out of the past five here. He's one a, of his best. Tracks. That's a good pick. He was on my list of guys that I was gonna you know look into. Uh, however, I am gonna pick a Toyota this week. Uh, I am gonna pick Ty Gibbs. Uh, See, I thought about Ty Gibbs. Yeah. That was like a sleeper pick. I was like, ah. Chevy's is too Kyle is too strong. Yeah, so but he could he could. This one's gonna be tough because um first real racetrack in quotes um that uh that we've been to this year, Chevy, Ford both have new cars, so we don't know how they're gonna react. You mean Toyota and Ford. Or Toyota and Ford uh both have new cars, so we don't know how to know how they're gonna react. I wager to think they're gonna be better than their old cars. Um, but we'll see. Um, you kind of wagered that as well at the beginning of the season because you didn't pick any Chevys to win, yet Chevys are undefeated so far, and you've picked another one to win this weekend. But, yeah, um, I didn't jump off <laughs> that. trade is left but, the uh, Yeah, they're, um, it'll be an interesting race. Unfortunately, I will be at work. Uh, you will be at work, so it's going to be you know kind of sneaking it on our phones to watch it type deal. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it'll be a good one. Uh, give me Ty Gibbs, though, reasons being um, – He's been quick um, at all the mile and a half last half of last season, and uh, he's shown some good speed uh, this year so far. I think uh, I think he'll probably win a race this year, and I think the Toyotas will probably be the best on the mile and a half again this year. So, um, give me old Tyler Gibbs. Um, hopefully, he doesn't win. Hopefully, he finishes like tenth. Yeah. In front of, you know, Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson finishes 11th or Rex out or whatever he wants to do. It, but A feast or famine with Kyle Larson usually on this show. Uh, if maybe, you pick uh, Kyle Larson, he's yeah. either winning the race, finishing second, or he's finishing yeah. last. Maybe uh, maybe Denny Hamlin will 
put them in the fence or something. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. We've done it before. Yeah, but right, uh, do it again too. Yeah. Well, is there anything else I need to speak on? Said I went through uh, all the stuff. The SHR penalties, real quick. What do you? What, what's your opinion on that? Man, they suck for teams that cheat. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if I you're gonna cheat, night. you might as well be good. Yeah. Uh, you might want to quit cheating if you if you're gonna suck. Um, I think Noah Gregson has got negative points, which now. is good for me because you know Brad is before he the penalties. Was he was thirty fifth in yeah, points, so <laughs> um, yeah. that's uh, that's a problem. Um, but uh, Chris is in the top sixteen right now, which is surprising after Daytona. But uh, he had some stage points and finished in the top ten this week. So um, you know, hopefully the Fords will be faster so they can. Uh, get up on their points this year. I said I said this I said this week. This weekend I think they're gonna kinda kinda struggle. Yeah, I think you're will. I think you're right. They've struggled on mile and a half. Well at least the Roush cars have for the last fifteen years. And that's years. what I was and that's what I was thinking. Like SHR is a shell of itself right now. RFK yeah. had got off to the greatest start. It went two tracks that they were, you know, one they won last summer's race at yeah. Daytona and then last year in Atlanta when we were there Brad Brad could have won both should have probably won both races. Yeah. And they both kind of Brad could have won this one and, and and the seventeen was fast too. I mean he qualified seventh and, and yeah, ran but they up just front didn't, all day. You would you would expect more. They didn't dominate, them. no. But I think that's a lot to do with the new front end on yeah. these Fords. It they're, could be. Um I I don't think they're quite as dominant. Now, granted, you know, two for two for poles, two for two front row lockouts for the Fords, but you know, I think I think these Fords will be better on mile and a half eventually. I just don't know if it's um, if it's this weekend yet. Maybe yeah, they got got some things to work through on them. So. And then just Joey and Ryan are the only two people I trust at this track right now. And Priest? Joey's just hasn't executed this year. Ryan yet. Priest. Yeah, Ryan Blaine. Vargas. Vargas. Ryan Newman. <laughs> yeah, Newman. He coming back, right? He might. Yeah, but I just don't trust Ford. Yeah. Front row, I think, is kind of full. They're not fool's gold. Yeah, fucking 38. Best, he was the best car all day, really. Yeah, well, until he got out of the lead. Yeah. Then he was kind of a – he was all over the place. But he led the, he's led the most laps this year. Damn. He's led 76 laps, which is the most in the – in the in – the, uh, the Cup Series? Yeah, Cup Series. In whatever sport in, we're talking in, in, about. You can do anything. <laughs> I didn't drink that energy drink way too quick. That's what it is. Still, <laughs> I'm have a damn still drunk from last night, probably. Uh, maybe, um, maybe. But yeah, so yeah, I think other than the SHR, uh, twenty-two penalty. Uh, oh yeah, is uh, Atlanta the best track? Real quick. Uh, no. Yes and no. So, it, it does provide the the most entertaining race, mm-hmm. but it's not the best race track. Um, it's still it's Darlington to me. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> Did you? Are you sure you ain't? Li- you came in here this morning and like turned this shit no. on, listened to this damn audio recording that Dar- I did last night. Darlington is still the best. It's just not the best with this car, um, which it's still not terrible, but it's. I think the car. Well, said, okay, never mind. You didn't because that's what I said. I said, I said last night that Atlanta is the second best track with this car. I said Darlington is still the best track with this car because it's still – you still get that – Yeah. So sh- – Short track I get what you're saying. What, what, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say is is the car-track combination is not what makes the racing good at Darlington. Okay. Yeah, the yeah. track is what makes the, 
yeah. the racing good at Darlington. I think the track car combination at Atlanta is what makes Atlanta mm-hmm. entertaining. Because I think if they ran the regular package here, the race would suck. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, they would just train because you wouldn't yeah. be able to pass anybody. I think they would train the bottom. I don't think you could run the top. Um, and then if they were in the old car, uh, like the old, old car. The Xfinity car. Uh, yeah, the, it, would, it would look like the Xfinity and truck races. Um, maybe, maybe if the Gen 4 car. Gen uh, 4 would be crazy. Would here. be fun here. But did that's we just, try that on iRacing one time? Or did we just talk about it? I think we just talked about it. But, um, yeah, that would be that would be interesting. But There'd I don't. Be dead yeah, people. Yeah, I think some people would be just deceased. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's Darlington to me. Um, but uh, Atlanta does put put on the most exciting race with this with this car, and uh, it's good. Hopefully, hopefully it keeps doing so. Hopefully, when the track ages, it doesn't change the racing too much, um, because I think they've got the perfect you know car combination. I just wish that they would have kept old Atlanta and done this to Texas, which I say every every year. But yeah, that's really all I got to say about that. Yeah, and then that's kind of where. That's the last thing I talked about. Well, not the last thing I talked about, but the only thing left is, well, tracks that are kind of in question right now, like Texas Auto Club, do the same thing. They might. I, I don't said, think they should, I, but they I might. I said they, they should do it to one. Probably be Texas more than if Auto If they're going to do it, they need to, it needs to be different. They, they could use the same theory. They could make a short super speedway, mm-hmm. but it, it, it shouldn't be the same. It shouldn't be a cookie cutter. They should make it either a true oval or maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit shorter, maybe a little bit more banking, maybe a little bit less banking, a little so bit what, wider, a little bit narrower. Yeah. they got to change it. It's got to be different. Yeah, so what if they bring back Chicagoland with that? No, if they bring back Chicagoland, it, I just want, ne- I want it them needs to, to be Chicago. Yeah, yeah. It I just agree. needs to be Chicago. It's one of the best mile and a half. But if that's the only way ever. they think it'll work to bring them back, is it worth it? No, you don't I don't so? think so. I think, I think you need to fix the bad tracks. I don't think you need to tear up the good tracks. And Texas is definitely yeah. a bad track. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, they'll figure something out. I, I think that they're going to change Texas eventually. I think uh, especially with the success of these, you know, street races and with the success of Atlanta now, um, I believe that the who, SMI owns Texas. Um, I think so. The same people who own Charlotte and everything else, so uh, and Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the success that Atlanta's had, I think that the uh, the company probably has a little bit more reason to be like, yeah, this is going to work, or you know, we have more reason to take chances because last couple that we've taken have worked. Now, granted, Bristol Dirt didn't work in my opinion, but a lot of people did like it. So um, these we chances weren't, we weren't one of yeah, them. But. Um, a lot of a lot of chances that have been taken have worked here recently, so yeah. I think we'll see some more in the future, and hopefully Texas is the first one to get a facelift. That's all I got. Me too. So you got Ty? I do. All right, well, now it's going to be that awkward. Uh, you're talking, me just talking for an hour and a half after this. <laughs> yeah. From last night. So if you hear stuff. Last night, me talking about, oh, if we can get Riley on, we'll do a recap, all that stuff. Or, you know, you, you might not hear this if, you know, if if I woke up early and shit like that. Ignore that shit. 
Yeah. So obviously we we got this best best we could do this week. So sometimes shit happens. You know, I got some stuff going on in my uh, personal life that hopefully works itself out. And if not, then uh, hopefully I can. Hopefully I'll be able to still do the podcast next week. But that might be in question according to how certain how how things go this weekend. But uh, yeah, so you'll hear me now. Uh, Riley, thanks for doing the recap. Now you got shit to do. Deuces. Everybody's going to turn it off now since I'm probably to, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? We got to listen to Trent for an hour and a half. Yep. Trip over his dick. That's what you're going to get. But uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, Trent from 16 hours ago, take it. Uh, go ahead and take it. Take it away. Take it away. <laughs> go, Cox. <laughs> High Line Nation. It is Trent Davis. Coming back at you with another episode of the Highline, episode 92 of the podcast. Obviously, as you know, Riley is not here with me today. Um, he's had a lot of uh, things go on this week. And um, there is still a possibility that we might be able to shoot a podcast uh, tomorrow. But if you do hear this, and obviously it was not able, we were not able to work things out to get him on the podcast this week, which sucks because I know he went to Atlanta this week. I loved it. I'd love to hear his race experience from Atlanta. He told me a little bit, but he hasn't told me everything. And uh, I know y'all would uh, enjoy listening to uh, his uh, his race experience at Atlanta. So hopefully we can get him on the show tomorrow. But if not, this is why you're hearing this. It's just me tonight. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we had an episode like this last year when he was out of town for a whole week. And uh, and I thought I did okay by myself, but it's just not not the same without a without, uh, – the old Roush Fenway, Keselowski fanboy, and uh, the the more funny person, I believe, on this podcast. So I'm going to try to carry it today. Again, uh, it's no fun doing it by yourself because, you know, you try to you try to bounce things. You know, me and Riley like to bounce things off each other. We're talking about certain things. And then somebody, you know, Riley will mention a certain point about, the, about a race. And then I'll be like, oh, yeah, this happened too. And then we'll have different perspectives and stuff like that. So when you're doing it by yourself, it's a little – a little more difficult to do that just because it's just me. I have nobody else to talk to, um, and especially off a off a, a amazing race like we had on uh, on Sunday, it it really sucks. So hopefully we can get him in there um, tomorrow and we can do an actual realistic podcast. But if not, this is why you're hearing it. Couldn't make it work out, so it's just gonna be me if you are hearing this um, publicly. So, anyways, so this might <laughs> this might be all for not. I might be talking into a microphone and into a camera for an hour and a half and it might not ever even get heard from anybody so hopefully that's the case i'd rather be i'd rather riley be here than than not but anyways no song i had a good song if riley's here and hopefully i can play that song and do that song for y'all tomorrow i think riley will get a kick out of it but anyways atlanta man what a race i uh well before before we do that i'll talk about weekend real quick try to do as normal as I can um, without him here, but my weekend was uh, was okay. You know, I worked all weekend, and uh, you know, uh, Saturday was <laughs> was not much of entertainment to to be fair for NASCAR related reasons. Um, truck race was okay. Kyle Busch won it. Uh, really was kind of. I woke up about halfway through because I was working night shift Friday night, so I didn't uh, see the whole race, but I watched the last half of it, and it wasn't nothing crazy it was okay and then the Xfinity race on 
Saturday night was just awful. I mean, Jesse Love dominated the race. Congratulations to him. He didn't win the race, though, so it kind of sucks for him. But dominated the race. Nobody could pass the high line. I'm already fucking myself here. Was dominant in the Xfinity Series. Hardly anybody could use that bottom lane to get any momentum going. And uh, then you had a fuel strategy. Had a whole bunch of people run out of fuel. We had all the Fords run out the same lap. And then had a caution because of one of the four. I think it was Ryan Sieg ran out and stopped on the racetrack. Then a whole bunch of other guys ran out, including Jesse Love, who should have won the race, dominated the race. Then Austin Hill sneaks out of nowhere and wins another super speedway slash drafting track. When uh, he was decent all day, but he wasn't as strong as his teammate, at least from what I could see. Jesse Love clearly had the best car and just ran out of gas, just didn't quite execute the way he needed to on fuel mileage. Because I think he even said on the radio, he's like, uh, yeah, we saved enough, you know, with 10 or 15 to go. I don't remember what it was, but uh, clearly he did not save enough. So sucks for him, but it was an awful race. Just no no passing. Everybody just training around the top. It was It was a hard watch. But luckily... Sunday saved us. And uh, but Clemson, my Clemson Tires got a, a big uh, win on Saturday against uh, Florida State on, at home. And then uh, speaking of that, uh, what I've done this week is I went to the Clemson-Pittsburgh game here in, uh, here at uh, Clemson uh, Tuesday night. So I uh, got to watch my Tigers win 69-62 over the Pitt Panthers. Uh, Pitt is a very good team. We're going to pull it out and uh, – Pretty much solidifies us as a tournament team, thank goodness. And uh, had a had a blast. Um, actually, me and my wife, uh, we uh, I bought tickets for the for the game Saturday evening, and uh, you know we were there. And then I forgot that my father in law, my my wife's father, obviously, um, he I forgot he told me he was going to the game with some of us, some of his family friends and stuff. And they had, like, really good seats. So at halftime, me and my wife <laughs> uh, moved down to the to the bottom, which is almost right on the baseline, right, uh, like, three rows, two or three rows uh, from the from the floor, and uh, got to watch second half from there. And luckily, um, we did because we were losing at halftime. Then we moved down there, and the second half we turned it on and, and was able to get the win. So uh, good weekend, good week for, for my Clemson basketball uh team and hopefully that continues for the last couple uh, weeks uh, of college basketball but anyways let's go ahead and get into Atlanta Um, man I I can't remember a race that had that much go on it was like it would be impossible to 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 recall everything that went on in that race because just so much happened and you know I woke up right when the race started you know, like I said, I was on night shift, so, you know, I was trying to sleep all I could, you know, getting off work at 7 a.m. and then, you know, trying to sleep. Didn't go, to, you know, I never go to sleep, like, right when you get home at, like, 7.30. You know, so, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock rolls around. I finally get able to get in the bed and go to sleep and, you know, wake up right at right at race time. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm not going to lie, the, the first lap two or end of lap one, beginning of lap two wreck, the big one, I – uh I dozed back off. I'm not going to lie. Like I said, I woke up right when they were getting the gentleman or driver starter engines. And then I kind of dozed off, was hearing them kind of go through the field, talking to, I forgot who they talked to, but 
And then I, you know, I, I was awake for the green flag, and then I kind of dozed off. <laughs> and I, I don't remember hearing them say it was a big old wreck. I just remember waking up at like lap six, <laughs> and they were under caution. And I saw the replay. I'm like, holy shit! I dozed off at the fucking right before they crashed. So live, I do not remember the wreck, but um, it was a big one. Obviously, it was just. Uh, unfortunate start to the day uh for a lot of teams you know a lot of team not a lot of drivers got taken out it was about a, a huge wreck it took about 20 cars that were involved but only about three really didn't have a chance to continue um christopher bell tyler reddick and um josh williams i think were the only three that really couldn't compete anymore after that after you know a big wreck i mean a lot of cars got taken out and for only three to be um taken out was you know it compliments of this next gen car whether you like it or not you know it it just composite body is very tough so you know it, it unless you like you know you burst the wall at, on the right on the right rear and break a toe link or something or bend a toe length and you know you're pretty good as far as you know damage wise this is just so massive or you just hit at the wrong spot where it breaks something. But, you know, that's a discussion for another day. If that's good a thing, if that's a good thing or a bad thing for the sport, uh, we're not going to talk about that today. But um, obviously start off with a, start off with a bang and it's con- just, it just continued uh, multiple lead changes, multiple wrecks. And it'd take me forever to go through every, I couldn't remember every one of them, but you know, I just, I want to say I had a blast watching this race and I know it was a little chaotic you know, I've, if you know me, I've been on the side always. You know, a chaotic race, I think, is always better than a dull race. You know, if it's a clean race but not a lot happened, sure, it looks it looks more – it looks better and it makes a sport look better. But as far as entertainment goes, it doesn't draw the crowd, doesn't get anything, doesn't get no buzz to NASCAR, which the sport desperately needs, continues to need – um, you know, since since their di- since their uh, decline the past couple of years, so you know, a chaotic race always I always think is is a better overall product than a kind of a dull and you know not a lot happened happens race. So and this was I think it was a little bit of both, or not not dull, but like it was it was entertaining and it was chaotic, but it was like it wasn't just like the only reason why the race was entertaining was because of the wrecks you had. Bold moves. You had two by two racing. You had um, just stuff happen all the time that kept you entertained and kept you glued to the TV. At least it did for me. Now, for the average fan, I don't know how it how it went off to them. And obviously, the finish, you know, drew a lot of people's interest. Obviously, you know, I think it made it on Sports Center top ten Sunday. So you know, with the three with the three wide finish at the line, the cars replica of the movie um, was great. But, you know, I just thought this race just had everything. And, you know, me and Raleigh went to this race last year in the summer. And until it rained, man, it was one of the greatest races I've ever seen. You know, guys just jostling for position, getting runs, making bold moves. And I reckon, I mean, had a few wrecks here and there. I mean, Atlanta is pretty much Daytona Talladega with your car being less stable and less room to to make moves and less room to, you know, but you got to go. You know, you got runs. You can make moves. You just got less room to do it. So what do you expect? Um, you, you're going to have more wrecks at Atlanta. And uh, now, me and Riley were both skeptics 
when they uh, repaved it and reconfigured it. But, you know, I'm safe to say I love old Atlanta. Old Atlanta. You know, it was great. Slipping and slide. I mean, I remember that finish with Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson in 2011. It was awesome. It was awesome. And, um, you know, it's not that, but it's pretty damn close to being great. And um, I enjoyed it. I like New Atlanta now. I can't wait to watch the the, the playoff opener here in September. It's going to be wild because, um, yeah, I can't imagine it's going to be any – it might be maybe not that chaotic, but it will be pretty close to it. You know, maybe you'll have some playoff guys kind of be a little more conservative, like guys higher up in the points, probably like a, like a William Byron, a, a, a Denny Hamlin – a, uh, a Kyle Larson maybe be more conservative if they got a whole bunch of points to back up. You know, hey, let's just get out of this race with the top 15. You know, we just can't wreck out early here. You know, a few of those guys. But a lot of guys, like, from 5th on to 16th, like, hey, we can get this win. We can lock ourselves in. Hey, we got to get some stage points. We got to, you know, we got to make sure we're up there. And uh, that could cause a lot of a lot of fun, fun racing in September for us. Not for the drivers, but f- for us, the fans. So, can't wait to watch it again, and I had a blast. Obviously, the finish, um, you know, I you know, obviously I was cheering for Blaney, and uh, he just came up a little bit short. And uh, Blaney said it best on his post race interview. Man, he said, you know, I've been on a uh, quite a few. I've been on the right side of a lot of these close finishes. You remember him with uh, Ryan Newman back at Talladega in 2019, the fall race, won by barely by a few inches. Um, 2020 Talladega spring race beat Ricky Stenhouse by just mere inches. And then last year at Talladega, again, um, beating Kevin Harvick, although he got disqualified at the end. But at the time, we didn't know that he beat Kevin Harvick by like a bumper. You know, it was, you know, he's always been on the right side other than the 2020 Daytona 500, which to be fair, other than maybe the 20 – other than last year's Talladega's fall race, if you would ask Ryan Blaney today which race he would probably rather have, the 2019 fall Talladega, the, the 2020 spring Talladega, I think he'd probably give up those two wins to take the 2020 Daytona 500. That's where, you know, he uh, him and Newman got together and um, Hamlin beat Blaney to the line when Newman got – I mean, this is <laughs> – his head got hit by Corey LaJoy's front bumper pretty much. And and we all thought, you know, Newman might have <laughs> might not been on the earth anymore. It's not nothing funny, but you know, I'm saying. But um Blaney, he's been on the right side of a lot of these close finishes. Unfortunately, didn't quite uh have quite enough at the end. I thought he had it, you know, at the line. Even Clint Boyer, I think I he even said, Oh, I think it's Blaney. You know, I thought it was Blaney. Just it looked like he's momentum. Was just enough because it was it. But what I what I was looking at was he was his momentum was coming off of Bush. I knew Kyle Bush should win. Everybody knew Kyle Bush should win. It was just between the twelve and the ninety nine who had the run because they both had runs at the finish line. It's according to who was able to get to the line quicker from the eight because they were both kind of kind of getting that run off the eight because eight was just the, the pinball in the middle just kind of got. He kind of just got the air pushed off him by both cars. He just had no run. That's why he finished uh, third. And if you look, I go back to 2011 Talladega Spring Race. Uh, this race pissed me off, obviously. If you don't know, I'm a Jeff Gordon. I'm a huge Jeff Gordon fan. I'll always be Jeff Gordon will always, always be number one uh, on my driver's list. But you remember 2011 Talladega when they're doing the two-car tango 
and it was him and Mark Martin pushing, and then it was Clint Boyer, Kevin Harvick pushing, then Jimmy Johnson and Dale Jr. pushing. Now, they were a little bit more spread out, but if you remember at the line, it was the front inside guy of Jimmy Johnson and the outside guy of, of a Clint Boyer. Now, Mark Martin got separated from Jeff Gordon, which might have probably played a bigger role in this, but it kind of reminds me of that finish because, you know, Jeff was just losing momentum as the two cars on the both sides of them were getting the runs to the finish line. Obviously, a lot different. Cars were way different, but it kind of just reminded me of of that race. And um, it was a hell of a finish, you know. Congratulations to Daniel Suarez. He, uh, he needed that one. He needed that one way more than Kyle Busch. Uh, or Ryan Blaney, the defending champion. So, um, had a great had a, had a great time watching it, and uh, I'm glad that red flag happened. I think it was with the with the Josh Berry and Carson Hosevar uh, wreck that, uh, or no, it may have been the Chase Briscoe wreck with Denny Hamlin and stuff with like 20 to go or something. They red flagged it, thank goodness, because I was actually on my way to work. I had to, you know, I was getting out of getting out of the truck. Um, right before they crashed, or right when they crashed, I don't remember what, but they red flagged it. And luckily, I was able to get into work, get my stuff together, you know, get everything I needed to get before for my shift, and then, you know, I was able to uh, watch the final couple laps, which was which was good. So, had a blast. I'd rate. I mean, you know, it's about is it's not the it's not the perfect NASCAR race, but it, it's pretty damn close to it. I'd give it a, a 99, and I'm saying that for Daniel Suarez. I'm giving a, a minus one point because it was a, maybe just a little bit too much crashing going on. And, you know, you had a guy that, you know, I really don't care for that much, and Daniel Suarez went in. But other than that, man, I it was one of the most fun races I remember watching in a very long time. So 99 for me, a a almost plus. I mean, it was almost a perfect race. 99 for Daniel Suarez. Like I said, just take that point off because I really don't care for Daniel that much. And it was maybe a little bit too much crashing going on. But uh, other than that, man, I, uh, I enjoyed it a lot. But uh, anyways, go ahead and get into, man, is this the best track on the circuit? So, with this next-gen car, obviously we know the bread and butter of this next-gen car has been at mile and a half. The super speedways haven't been great. The road courses have been pretty bad, unwatchable sometimes. And the short tracks are not great. They're, they've gotten a little bit better since, since the start of this next-gen car, but they're still not great. And then you have Atlanta, which is kind of a, like I said, it's a hybrid between Daytona and Talladega and Charlotte and Kansas and Las Vegas and all that stuff. It's like a hybrid. It's, it's, a, it's the same distance as a Charlotte and a Texas and a, and a Vegas and a Kansas, but it drives like Talladega and Daytona. Personally to me, I still think – with this next-gen car, okay, and this track is up there, my, I think it's third on my list, maybe. I still think this next-gen car drives the best and puts on the best racing product at Darlington. My opinion, 
I think every Garlington race in this next gen car has been. It's not been. It's probably not been as entertaining as this as these past couple Atlanta races. But I think the the overall racing product has been better because at Garlington, it, the track is so tough. I mean, it's the the name of the track is too tough to tame. The track is so tough. No matter what type of car you bring it bring to that track, you're going to be slipping and sliding. Grip's going to be a, a major key. You're going to have tire fall off. I think that Darlington is Darlington is still the best track on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit, but I would put Atlanta second. And being there in person last year, thought it was awesome. And then you know watching this race this year, thought it was amazing. You know, as far as entertainment goes, it's probably number one. But as far as my favorite track in the next-gen car and the best track, I still think Darlington is above it because I just don't think we've had – I think you get the, a perfect combination of entertaining and great racing. Because sometimes entertaining and great, great racing is not always intertwined the way you think it is. So I still think Darlington is the best track on the circuit, but Atlanta is right there behind it, and it's it's really close. You know, I, it's really close. And then third would probably be Charlotte or Kansas. You know, I think I think last year at Kansas, the spring race at Kansas was, I think I gave it a hundred uh, when Denny and and Kyle got into it at the end, the Noah and and Ross fight, and uh, great racing throughout the field all day. Candace is up there with Charlotte. I think I think if I had to rate it, I think it'd be it would be Darlington one, Atlanta two, Charlotte three, Kansas four. And um that's how I do it in this next gen era. And uh, but Atlanta's still a great track. And you know, I'm I was wrong, man. I was me and Riley were both skeptics on, you know, them making this track the way the way they did. Um, taking away old Atlanta. You know, slipping and sliding all around, beat up track. Drivers loved it, but the fans weren't showing up. It kind of got really spread out, um, and it kind of got boring at times at Old Atlanta. I'm sorry, it did. You know, and and that's why they did what they did. So, um, and it seemed to pay off. Now, we'll get into this. This is this is kind of a segue to this. Will will tracks in question? Like a Texas, which is not great. It's been better in the next gen era before uh, than the Gen Six era, but still not great. And Auto Club, which is still under question. You know, we heard it was going to be a short track a couple years ago. We still haven't really heard any updates on what that's going to be. And also, they're not racing the Auto Club this year. You know, they've kind of—I'm not sure what they've done to Auto Club. But, you know, can they, would they turn, would they think about turning Auto Club into a Atlanta-type hybrid super speedway track? So, I have, I'm kind of, I'm kind of struggling with, with this question because, you know, I would, I would love to see another type of track like Atlanta on the schedule. Because, like I said, even if it, even though it races and looks like Daytona and Talladega, from what the drivers say, it's so much more different. I, you know, from Denny Hamlin saying on his podcast, the runs are so much bigger here in Atlanta than they are at Daytona and Talladega with its next gen car. And um, the way the way the racing is, you know, you just got less room, but you got to get to the front. 
and it's just there's something about Atlanta that just it, it looks different. You can tell, like from the average fan, maybe not, but you know, from a fan that watches it every week, has watched every every NASCAR race known to man since I can remember. Um, you know, it, it looks different, and it 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 races different, and it just feels different than a Daytona and Talladega. So, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, I would probably. I don't know if I do it to both of them. You know, I think I maybe another one would be okay if you chose either Auto Club or Texas to be another Atlanta. I wouldn't mind it. Do I have a preference on which one I'd rather it be? Not really. Maybe Texas because Texas is already a mile and a half track, and I feel like the process would be easier. And we and we know how bad this version of Texas is now that anything is pretty much better than what we have now at Texas. Even though the racing has been better, like last fall's Texas race wasn't terrible. It wasn't great, but it, for Texas, it was the best Texas race I've seen since the reconfiguration back in 2017. So I'd probably rather them, rather them do it to Texas. And, you know, everything is bigger. And te- you got that Texas brand, you know, you know, Lone Star State. You know, it just feels more... I feel like doing an Atlanta model at Texas would make more sense rather than do it at Auto Club. You know, Auto Club is, you know, two-mile track, big, wide open. It's like a – it's like Talladega, but you but it's shorter and you have to lift um, into the corners. It's, it's what – California is always what – and less banking, obviously. So, I think Texas would be a better fit, obviously, because it's already a mile and a half track. You ain't got to try to readjust everything about it. And um, I think it'd just be a bit easier process. And I think it just fits better. I think just Texas with with this model would be better. But, you know, if they did both of them, I wouldn't be, you know, up in arms and just egregiously upset about it. But I would feel like, because <laughs> like I said, we got Daytona and Talladega, which I know are different. I just said that they're different than Atlanta, but they are drafting style tracks. Like it's hard to pull away. Now I think I see, like you'll see eventually that um, Atlanta, as the track ages, you'll have a little bit maybe more separation. I've heard different viewpoints. I've heard Denny Hamlin say at the track ages, you'll have even closer quarters racing. But I've also heard Dale Jr. say, as the track ages, you'll have more separation. You know, so it we don't know what Atlanta will be like as the more it ages. But I know from year one to year, th- from last summer's race until now, has been a drastic difference, and it's been a great, a great difference from what we saw of race one with the new pavement from this last this past weekend's race. At the same track, I thought, you know, it's, you could see just how different the races were. If you watched the 2022 spring race at Atlanta compared to this race, like this race this past weekend, the racing and the runs and just the intensity is so much different. Now, I don't know if that has anything to do with Daytona and, and a lot of the drivers caught kind of some kind of some shit last week from the fuel saving thing you know kind of riding around at Daytona 170 miles an hour and all that stuff I don't know if I had anything to do with it and the drivers are all pumped up to hey let's go race today let's we let's let's prove to the world that we can race and not just save fuel I don't know if that had anything to do with it might have I don't know 
But um, end of the day, I wouldn't mind seeing one of the two. And maybe if you, Chicago Land, if you bring Chicago Land back, now I would definitely rather have just regular old Chicago Land. I thought Chicago Land was one of the most underrated tracks in the NASCAR circuit when it was still on the schedule. But if you bring Chicago Land back, and that's the only way to bring it back, you know, it's what it is. But you, know, you just don't want to dilute this, you know. You know, you can have too much of something. That's clearly, NASCAR has learned that. Every sport has learned that. You don't want too much of something. Just because something works doesn't mean you just keep, you know, overpopulate and overdo it. Now, it doesn't mean you ignore it. Just don't overpopulate it and overdo it. And I feel like if you do it with both Texas, Auto Club, Chicagoland, if it comes back, if they somehow get Kentucky back on a schedule or something like that, or not, you know, whatever it is, just don't overdo it. I think one, two tracks max. And I feel like, you know, Texas this year has only got one date again. Auto Club the past several years only had one date. I feel like if you do it with these other tracks, you have to do it just one race. You, I don't think you can, I don't think you can do two races per track. Cause that's, Daytona's two, Talladega's two, drafting tracks. You know, they drive different. Atlanta's two already. You do Texas at or two, that's eight. Auto Club, that's two, that's ten. That's I don't 36, 10 divided by 36. I don't know what that uh, comes out to, but that's too high. <laughs> that is way too high of a thing. So I just think you need to be able to Understand that, NASCAR, and if you're going to do another type of Atlanta, just don't overdo it. Do it to one track. I would love Texas. I think Texas would be perfect. I think Texas would be absolutely perfect for another type of Atlanta track. And then, you know, hey, you know, guy, people that are from the west that can't really travel out way east to Atlanta to see it, they're a little closer to Texas you know, in Arizona or something, they want to go see a, a, a drafting-style track at Texas or something, um, or like Texas, or drafting track like Tech or like Atlanta, hey, Texas is just like it, or almost just like it. Let's go to that one instead. So you can have, kind of have that, that West Coast audience and bring those West Coast uh, fans to Texas Motor Speedway if, if, um, if they can't go all the way to the East Coast in Atlanta. So it's, it's you know, it's a it's going to be a big topic for discussion for for the next couple months. That's my that's my uh, that's my opinion on it. I think I think one track wouldn't I would not be opposed for Texas or Auto Club doing it. For, I'd rather it be Texas, but you know, just don't want to over overdo it. And uh, we've seen in the past NASCAR is very good at over. Ah, sorry, I needed a uh, <laughs> a beverage break. Like I said, it's hard to do a podcast when it's just you talking. <clears throat> Anyways, let's go ahead and get into penalties and fines from Atlanta Motor Speedway. Uh, Ford got caught cheating. Uh, more ways than one. So, first thing is SHR. Getting caught cheating again. It's about the fourth or fifth time in this next-gen uh, car that the SHR has been caught cheating. 
Um, and they're not even that fast. So, I mean, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. But, man, if you're going to be cheating, at least be a little more competitive. Now, to be fair, uh, Chase Briscoe was pretty fast on Sunday. But he wasn't one of the ones that, you know, his his car was good. The cars that got penalized was the uh, 10 of, uh, of Noah Gregson and the 41 of uh, Ryan Priest. So, uh, their penalties was uh, for improper roof air deflectors. So on the top of the cars, the something on the, the hood braces were something was illegal. I'm not completely sure exactly what it was, but the teams have been fined with have been assessed, sorry, have been assessed with a 35 point uh, driver and owner point deduction. So for to put that in perspective, I think Noah Gregson is now in like in negative points territory, and Ryan Priest is pretty close to it. He's I think he's still in the net positive, but he's down near the bottom of the point standings now. So, L one penalty. It's uh, it's not a killer for the teams, but you know the trajectory that Storehouse Racing has been the past couple of years. This and this is just it's not getting better. You know these guys are they're trying, but <laughs> just they're not fast and they're getting caught cheating and. You know, it's just not looking good for SHR, man. It, you know, it kind of sucks. You know, I'm not a huge SHR, SHR fan, you know, but, you know, I like Chase Briscoe. I don't mind um, Ryan Priest. You know, I like Noah Gregson a little bit. And, you know, I even like Josh Berry. I like Josh Berry a lot. You know, none of the guys I don't like. It's just this team has no momentum right now. And, you know, just adding, you know, putting salt on the wound, man. This team just needs something to go right, and they just can't get it going. And, and you know, both teams – I think I think Priest had a decent finish, if I'm not mistaken. Again, we didn't go over the race results. I apologize. But Noah Gregson, I think he got caught up in that lap one wreck and was really never that competitive. So, it just um, – <laughs> I don't know what to tell SHR, man. They're, if none of their guys might not make the top 25 in points. You know, I think the most possible is Chase Briscoe just because I've seen it from him before in the 14 team. Now, yes, they've been hot and cold, hot and cold, a lot more cold than hot. But, you know, even last year when they were awful, SHR was pretty bad other than Kevin Harvick. And even Kevin Harvick wasn't that great. He had a few good runs here and there. Probably could have won a race or two, but didn't. uh, Chase Briscoe had a few good runs here and there. I know he almost won Texas last year in the fall. Uh, I think he ran good at Charlotte last year, or it might have been two years ago. I don't remember, but um, he's shown the ability to have to run up front. And these other guys, we just haven't seen it enough. Also, Noah Gregson's still young. Josh Berry's a rookie. We'll have to wait and see. You know, Ryan Priest, and I think he's a cool guy. I just I don't see it. You know, I don't see. I don't know if it's him or the team. I just don't know what it is. But uh, this does not does not bode well for, for, for short Haas. And well, they go from here, they just got to put their heads down, man. And they just got to figure out why all these other four teams are so much better than them week in and week out. I mean, front row now. They started on the front row of the Daytona 500, and they got the pole last week in Atlanta. And their second-tier driver in Todd Gillen led the most laps in Atlanta. Todd uh, and Michael McDowell never got to see what he was at Daytona. But even he was up there, won a stage in Atlanta. 
I mean, front row is clearly got way more speed and way more momentum right now than Stuart Haas Racing, which should not happen. Stuart Haas has, for, for most, now I know front row got promoted to a tier one Ford team now, but for year, even last year, front row was outrunning Stuart Haas for most of the year. That shouldn't happen when they were still a tier two organization. RFK's rise the past couple of years with, with Brackett's last week coming on and Chris Bush's rise. Um, they haven't got off to a great start this year, but they have looked way better than Stuart Haas has the past couple of years. You know, obviously Penske's going to be, you know, up there with Joe Ligano and, and Ryan Blaine. Even Austin Cindric this past weekend and, and even at Daytona looks very fast. Now, two drafting tracks, I get it. We'll have to see when it when it, when we come uh, to Vegas this weekend and see how how all the other forwards look and how the four teams look compared to SHR. But uh, it's not a good start for SHR uh, for sure. And they, uh, they, they got an uphill, um, they got an uphill, what, what's that saying? <laughs> That's why I need Riley when I'm trying to think of something. <laughs> and he can say, oh, you're a fucking dumbass. And he, he'll, he'll correct me. They got a long way to go. They, but they start at the bottom. They got to be able to get to the top. Will it happen? Probably not, but we'll see. And also, uh, Joe Logano, who started originally started on the front row, uh, qualified second on Saturday. He got penalized, or he didn't get penalized. He got fined ten thousand dollars for un unapproved glove. It was kind of like a webbed glove. It kind of looked like a um, like a skeleton glove. It's like webbed, like a like a baseball glove. He used it during qualifying. People, there's video that that showed that he might have used it at Daytona two weeks ago when he won the pole for the 500. But uh, finally NASCAR called him and fined him $10,000. He had to – he got a uh, a penalty before the race started on Sunday. We actually worked out pretty good for him. He uh, got a drive-through penalty um, to start the race, and then obviously they wrecked the next lap. But um, so obviously he lost his front row start, and then he had to come down pit road to start the race. But it worked out for him. But, um, I mean, another thing, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, I guess. It's not a huge deal. Um, but try two weeks in a row is pretty bold. <laughs> and for him to, hey, I mean, it worked. I mean, he got a, a pole at Daytona and, did, and got away with it. And then he got front row for Atlanta. Almost got away with it. NASCAR finally finally got him. But, uh, you know, $10,000 ain't nothing, Joe Logano. So, don't think you'll be seeing that glove anytime soon. For the 22 team. But, hey, I love the innovation. Just uh, sucks you get caught sometimes. I mean, will, I mean, listen, every little advantage you can take will make it a huge advantage when these cars are so close these days. So I'm not going to say that had nothing to do with, with Joe Logano's pole and front row start the past the first two weeks of the season. Um, but at the end of the day, it's qualifying and you know, it's not going to help you win the race, I don't think. And uh, clearly it hasn't because, you know, Joey has uh, not had a good start of the season with uh, ending uh, both races in Rex. One not caused by him last week and then one this past weekend uh, that he he caused, you know, at the end of stage two. Let's go ahead and get into RTT. Ripping the topics. Hit that button. No, not that one. There it is. Ripping the top. R 
Topics. We got a few things to talk about this week. Obviously, Dan Suarez winning here this past weekend at Atlanta. Pretty much locking himself into the playoffs. Did he save his cup ride? You know, after all the things that Justin Marks said after the race, eh, well, you know, you don't hear a lot of things behind the scenes and all that stuff. Well, you know, I think Daniel did. Um, the only reason why I say he did is because you know, he's got a lot of sponsorship backing him. He's got Coke. He's got um, the the freeway. Now, I'm not sure if that's a if that was a uh, track house sponsorship that was able to do it, or if that was Daniel led. Probably a little bit of both. But you know, Daniel's got some sponsorship behind him, so it's not like he ain't got none. Like like Matt DiBenedetto did a couple years ago, and he just needed to win a couple races and show out. You know, obviously Daniel not making the playoffs last year, not having a good good season at all. And then 2022, obviously winning the race, making the playoffs. I think he made the round of 12, so I might not. I think he might have got on the round 16, I remember. But, you know, the reason why people were speculating he's on the hot seat is because Trackhouse signed so many guys in the offseason. You know, SVG in the Xfinity Series, but he's Trackhouse. You know, he's part of Trackhouse. De- development driver, if you want to call it. You had Zane Smith driving for, for Spire. He's technically a track house driver, just drive, driving in Spire equipment, kind of a partnership. So, and, um, oh, who else they have? Um, shoot, I, for, I forgot. But they got a couple more drivers that they signed over the offseason. A young guy, a great road course guy, I forgot his name. But they signed him in the offseason, too. You know, he's he's – Probably wanting to, you know, come up to the ranks and be a cup driver in the next couple of years. So, and for Daniel to 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 compare him to Ross Chastain the past couple of years, you're like, you know, these guys aren't really that close. Compare, you know, Ross made the final four two years ago. Daniel missed the playoffs last year. Ross has four wins the past two years compared to to Daniel's one up until this past weekend. And it makes you really question, like, hey, Daniel. It ain't going to be Ross. They're not going to get to Ross. Ross just got a huge sponsorship from Bush. Um, he ain't going nowhere. He's got, you know, he's got um, Moose. He's got um, Advent Health. He's got he's got Jockey. He's got all these sponsorships. Ross is staying at Trackhouse as long as Ross wants to stay at Trackhouse. Daniel's the one that's like his, 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 his stats and his the way he's looked the past couple of years compared to Ross is just not not equal. So, you know, you got all these guys coming up, young guys, really talented guys, you know, if and they only got two charters, you know, if there's going to be a guy that gets kicked out the door, it's going to be Daniel. So, you know, I don't blame the media and people saying, you know, Daniel's on a hot seat this year. He has to have a good year. And I still think he does. But he's got to win. He's going to make the playoffs more than likely. I think that's good enough to save his ride with all the sponsorship he's got behind him. Now, now if he'd have missed the playoffs entirely this year, 
again. And Ross, like I said, has another couple win season. If he, especially if he does what I think he'll do and win the championship, I definitely think Daniel will be out. Would have would have been out. But now he wins the race. He'll make the playoffs. He's pretty much safe, um, unless you know the whole rest of the year he just kind of runs fifteenth to twentieth every week. Gets eliminated round sixteen. Then you might have to have another discussion. But I think Daniel's ride is safe. He had to have a win. He needed that win. Like I said, more than Kyle Busch, more than Ryan Blaney, definitely. And uh, he got it done. So I think Daniel's ride is safe, at least for another couple of years. TV ratings for NASCAR. So this is a big one. Um, saw this the other day that um, Fox scored a 4.464 million viewers on Fox um, on Sunday's Atlanta race, which is up 33% compared to last year's race in Atlanta, which was back in March, and up 5% from Fontana's race last year, which was the second race of the season. And it was the most watched sports event um, of the weekend in the United States. So obviously, more people... um, Heard Dale Jr.'s message last year. It's the hottest ticket in the sport. If I'm going to send anybody um, new to new to a race, it's going to be Atlanta. Um, I think that had a, a decent part in it. You know, old Dale Jr. fans really don't watch NASCAR anymore. Hey, Atlanta's coming up this week. Didn't Dale Jr. say, you know, this is one of the best tracks on the circuit now? Tuned in. You know, it's only up 5% compared to Fontana last year, but it is up 5%, which surprises me because, you know, obviously Daytona last week, Biggest race of the year. That's going to be your biggest TV grab. Super Bowl of, of stock car racing. It gets postponed to Monday. Huge, huge kick in the nuts. Like you need the net. You need the Daytona Daytona 500 to be raced to be run on Sunday afternoon when it's supposed to be ran. And when it doesn't, the TV ratings hurt, and NASCAR loses a lot of momentum that they need to build throughout the whole season. Having said that. It was still up 5% compared to Fontana last year, and up 33% compared to Atlanta last year. I'm not really looking at Atlanta last year. Now, obviously, the great race last summer, and then, you know, oh, my God, that was a great race last year. You know, hey, let's let's watch it again, see if it's just as good. Probably had a little bit to do with it. Um, But I really don't take a whole lot into account just because it was like the fifth or sixth race of the season last year. You know, we know as – we start you start the highest most of the time at the, at the Daytona 500 as far as ratings go, and it kind of just continually drops. Now you might have a spike here and there, you know, certain races like the Coke 600, the Brickyard 400 back in the day, the, the Daytona July race back in the day on Fourth of July weekend. You would have spikes go up, but most time Daytona 500 would start biggest race of the year, and you just kind of have a a steady a steady decline. You know, that even was when NASCAR's heyday. So, but for it to be up five percent compared to last year's race at Fontana, which the Daytona 500 got ran on Sunday as scheduled last year for it to be up 5%, that does mean something, and that's big for the sport. 5% is not a huge increase, but it is an increase. Better than four, not as good as six, and it's better than being down in, in TV ratings. NASCAR has a lot of momentum. Me and, me and Riley talked about this the other, the other day. We said that we have seen more NASCAR apparel around our town and around our surrounding towns in the upstate of South Carolina more the past few months than we have 
in a long time. So I think NASCAR is building momentum, and it's just kind of hard to see sometimes. But this ratings increase, it shows a little bit. It shows with having a Monday Monday Daytona 500, you probably lost about 20, 25% of your viewers if they would if it if the race could have been ran on Sunday from what you had. But even though after all that, you still had a 5% increase. So I think it's a big deal. I think it's huge for the sport, and I hope it continues. Um, it'll probably go down a decent amount this weekend at Vegas just because it's it's Las, it's Las Vegas. You know, it's nothing. Las Vegas is not going to draw 5 million viewers to the TV screen. Um, truck, truck and Xfinity races, I kind of touched uh, br- uh, briefly touched on it earlier. Truck race was kind of like I said. I only watched the last half of it. wasn't great. It was a little bit better. I mean, Kyle Busch, you can just clear. You can see that Kyle Busch is just so much better than most of the truck guys in that in that field. Uh, He's able to run the the bottom line and kind of move his way throughout the field and do. His truck was able to do what other trucks couldn't do, and I think most of that was just because of of KFB Kyle Busch. He got the win. He's able to hold off Tom Majeski. And uh, get the win. Uh, then the Xfinity race on Saturday was just it, uh, Saturday night was just awful. I mean, I <laughs> you know I was kind of you know after last year, last year's race in the spring, which Austin Hill won, also had kind of a shit show at the end. Whole had a whole bunch of wrecks. This year was was the complete opposite. I mean, you just had it just it just felt like all day just nobody wanted to make moves. Nobody. Felt comfortable enough to try to pass people. Um, Jesse Love dominated the race, had a great car, but you shouldn't lead that many laps at a drafting style track these days. You just shouldn't. You you should max lead like maybe half the race if your if your car's just really that good. And he led like eighty five percent, ninety percent of the race. And then you know the the fuel thing at the end made it a little interesting but it still wasn't great and uh you know i had a guy that shouldn't have won the race had no business winning the race winning which i'll I'll, you know for pure race fans always hurts especially it hurts when people like me that don't like austin hill (laughs) austin hill comes out of nowhere and wins the race at the end so it was just a bad race clearly the cup race was by miles and miles like you got the truck and xfinity race rating over here the Cup Series is on another dimension. Like, it's way above anything that we saw on, on Saturday. So, Which is not usually the case. Usually, Xfinity races, for the most part, are better than the truck and the Cup races. Just kind of the car works. But the Xfinity race is clearly the worst, was the, uh, was the worst race this weekend. And you know, it's kind of funny, you know, if, if the Cup guys would have stayed with a Gen 6 car with this new Atlanta, I think it would have been a lot like uh, the Xfinity race on Saturday. Um, almost not every race, but quite a few races. And I think we would, I think we'd be looking at Atlanta right now, New Atlanta, if they were still in the Gen Six, being one of the worst racetracks um, on the circuit instead of one of the best. It's kind of it's kind of ironic. Just my personal opinion. It, I might be talking out of my ass here, but I think if we had the Gen Six car still, I do not think this car. Or that that car would work well at New Atlanta. I think you'd see a lot of what you saw on Saturday with the Xfinity Series. But uh, I digress. Anyways, um, 
so I, I briefly talked about the finish of the race on Sunday. Three wide coming to the line. You know, Blaney leading the last couple laps. He'll be getting on the outside of Suarez, like four to go, and then hold them off until the white flag lap. And then Cowboys making a daring move in the middle uh, to make it three wide. Daniel had a run coming off of four. And then, you know, three by three to the line, or three wide to the line with Daniel Suarez barely edging out Blaney. And Kyle Bush. Is this the best finish ever? No, it's not. And you know, the people uh, the guys on DBC said this this week. It's hard to rate the best finish ever at a drafting style track, plate track type type of thing. And I agree with them. You know, plate tracks, because the cars are so close together and you have a more way more of a possibility for for you to have a type of finish like that because the cars are even, you can't pull away from each other. It's way more likely. And because it's way more likely, it kind of deteriorates what type of finish you get. And if you have a great finish like that, it kind of deteriorates it because all the cars are so close together and you're kind of just using the air, using the runs off each other to build runs and you can have that type of finish. You get that, you get that finish at a non-drafting style track, it just makes that finish so much better. And obviously, the best finish of, in NASCAR history is the 2003 Garlington race with Ricky Craven and Kurt Busch. I mean, that finish, it's going to take... You know, Real Robin said this on his race review on Sunday. It's going to take, like, a 1v1 battle... Maybe at Homestead or somewhere. I, mean, I don't even know if Phoenix would even work. Like for the championship, if they battled to the line, beating and bank, kind of like the uh, like the Xfinity championship a couple years ago with, with Daniel Hemrick and Austin Cindric. And even that race, it wasn't a great race. It, just, it was a good finish. You know, it was a it was a great finish. But even then, it's Phoenix. People don't say that's the greatest finish of all time. Now they might say it's one of the best Xfinity race finishes of all time because. The stakes, but I feel like you need like a homestead beating and banging to the line for a championship, two of the final, or maybe even three of the final four guys, or all four of the final four guys battling for a championship on the last corner, just beating and banging. It's going to take something like that to, to beat Ricky Craven and, and Kurt Busch. Drawington, it's so hard to stay side by side. Cars are slipping and sliding all around. The cars are out of control, hitting the wall. I mean, the, the commentary by DW saying, oh, car driving fine, hitting the wall. You know, um, Larry Mack, Mike Joy back in their heyday, it was just a perfect, perfect finish. And it's going to take, it's going to take, it's going to take a lot to beat that finish. Now, would I rate it in the top five, maybe? I mean, I would try, I'm trying to think, you know, obviously that, that 03 Dalton race is number one. Um, now, I know this is a, a drafting style track, but the 2007 Daytona 500, it's a Daytona 500. It's a little different um, between Kevin Harvick and Mark Martin. And even then, back those, those cars are just—you could see them just moving all around down the corner, just bouncing off the track, sliding all over the track. You had a big old wreck. Yeah, Clint Boyer sliding on his roof across the finish line. You had a photo finish between Harvick and and Mark Martin. That was better than better than this finish. Um, even you could go now the 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 distance in the Finishers between first and second wasn't close, but the 2018 Chicago Land race between Kyle Bush and Kyle Larson, you know, the Dale Jr.'s first race in the broadcast booth, slide job. 
And that was an incredible finish between Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch. You know, banging, hitting the wall, then coming down, Kyle Busch dumping Kyle Larson, sliding, spinning off the track. Kyle Busch hitting the wall, coming back down on the track. Kyle Larson trying to gather it up, wondering where third place Kevin Harvick is. Um, that was a great finish. I think that one's even better than this race finish. And I know there's tons more. Um, 2011 Atlanta. I know it wasn't a side-by-side race to the checkers, but uh, Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson sliding all over the track the past 15 laps, just dogging it. Everything they had was um, was awesome to see. And I'll see my guy, Jeff Gordon, coming out on top. Makes it a, <laughs> one of the greatest finishes of all time. Now, if Jimmy, Johnson, if Jimmy Johnson wins that race, I probably don't think of it as fondly as I do today. But uh, and I know there's tons more, but um, I think it's on the fringe of top five, maybe top seven at the at the farthest I would go. It's a great finish. Don't get me wrong, but there's something about those tracks um, that are not drafting style tracks other than the 2007 Daytona 500. There's something about those tracks where you have finishes kind of like like it like they don't have to be side by side battling to the finish. They just have to be. 1v1 battle, sliding all over the track, giving it everything they got. I think it was better th- than this than this finish. And um, even, even, even if Blaney wins, like I said, I'm a Blaney fan, but even if Blaney wins this race, I don't see this race being in the top top three. I just, I just don't. But it was still a hell of a finish. It, it went viral on social media. Like I said, it went – it got SportsCenter top ten. It got a lot of buzz around the sport. And, hey, I'm all for that, you know. We keep on having these races. Now, if you had a three-wide race to the finish at Kansas in a couple weeks, then – or, hell, Vegas this weekend, if we have, like, a uh, 1v1 battle side-by-side side coming to the line, you know, very possible. Now, I think it would be better than the finish here just because those tracks, you just don't expect it. It's way more rare to see those type of finishes at those type of tracks compared to an Atlanta, a Daytona, a Talladega. But still a great finish. Not trying to take a, not trying to take anything away from it. But uh, no, it is not the best finish in NASCAR history, in my opinion. Great one. Just not not number one for sure. And finally, I'm watching him on the TV right now. Um, Dale Jr. Obviously one of the biggest guys in the sport. Um, got his own podcast Dell Jr. Download if you don't know check it out I mean you don't need no plug for me but nice if he gave us a plug one day but um um we're kind of late to this but on his podcast was two or three weeks ago he uh he said that he doesn't have a contract signed uh for broadcasting this year obviously he's been with NBC since 2018 since the year after he retired he's been great in the booth um, he's had a few moments here and there. I'm like, ah, you know, but for the most part, he's been great. He's been a great addition to the booth. And, you know, it would be, <laughs> it would be a travesty if NBC just didn't re-sign him. I think NBC needs to do everything they can to re-sign this man. I, he is, a lot of fans still hold on to the Dale Sr., Dale Jr., ties like even though they're not racing obviously Dale Senior what happened to him 
Dale Jr. since he retired, a lot of people stopped watching NASCAR, but then they heard, hey, Dale Jr. will be in the booth. I guarantee you there's a decent amount of people that still go and watch the last half of the season on NBC when Dale Jr. is calling the race just because they want to still know and still hear from their f- former favorite driver. You know, you know when, when Jeff Gordon was in the Fox booth, you know, even though I didn't think he was great, you know, I just hearing his voice every week on Fox to start the season from 2016 to 2021 was awesome. You know, hey, that's my guy. That's my favorite driver of all time. I'm listening to him calling a race. I'm He's watching a race with me. And, um, you know, that means a lot to a lot of to a lot of fans. And uh, I think that 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 same type of thing is with Dale Jr. and Dale Jr. fans. So, you know, NBC needs to re-sign him. It'd be a huge loss for for not not only NBC, but NASCAR in a whole. I mean, Dale Jr. is the face of NASCAR, even though he doesn't race anymore. Because, you know, you have Chase Elliott, which, you know, I like I love Chase Elliott. He's just not a very talkative guy, which, to be fair, Dale Jr. wasn't that much when he was driving in his career as well. Wasn't, he's kind of awkward on camera, but he was the Earnhardt. The name, him, the name in itself was able to carry Jr. for a lot of years, and even I think Jr. would, will, would, would admit that. And, um, you know, Chase Elliott doesn't quite have that, that pull that Dale Jr. has. So we need Dale Jr., um, calling races, whether that's at NBC, whether that's at Fox, whether that's on um, Amazon Prime, Turner Sports, whenever they get going next year, you need Dale Jr. in a booth calling races. You don't need him just talking about talking about the race on his podcast each week. I think that would be a huge loss for NASCAR. Now, like I said, his podcast will still do great, probably do even better um, if he wasn't calling races each week just because they would want to know you know, what he thought about certain races each week if he wasn't a part of the broadcast team. But still, you need Dale Jr. in the booth, NBC. Get shit together. And if you don't, Amazon and um, Turner Sports, whatever, they pull out your pull out your pocketbook. Pull out your, yeah, pull, pull out your pocketbook. Write a check to Dale Jr. for however much he wants to call races for you because um, we need him in the sport. Attaboy. 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 Who is my attaboy from Atlanta this past weekend? Well, (laughs) um, the race was great, but there's a lot of guys in here that uh, are far from the attaboy of the week. But my attaboy from Atlanta, I'm going to kind of go, I'm going to go chalk here. I'm going to go give it to Daniel Suarez. He uh, to be, to give him credit, man. He was he wasn't up there all day at Atlanta, but at the end of the Daytona 500 last weekend, he was up there. You know, he was up in the top five late in the race. This week, same thing. I was able to make a little bit, was able to get a few rows up to get in that front row to be able to challenge for the win. And uh, he made a mistake with four to go or five to go, whenever it was. Allowing Blaney to get on the outside of him, and. You know, but he's able to recover from it. You know, he didn't lose his wits. He didn't have anybody from behind, which I think was Austin Sendrick or somebody, um, try to get on the inside of him or outside of him. He was staying, staying uh, focused and aggressive. 
You know, when the time came with the, with the white flag, he was able to build a run enough coming off of four. He did everything he needed to do. I mean, if he doesn't do exactly what he does that last lap, he doesn't win the race, I don't think. So you got to give Daniel Suarez a lot of credit. Never thought of him as being a great Super Speedway racer but uh, or drafting style track racer. But uh, the past two weeks, he's he's done really good at, at, at drafting style tracks here at Daytona and here at Atlanta winning the race. So got to give it to Daniel Suarez. Locked himself in the playoffs more than likely. Big win for him. Possibly saved his, his track house ride. And uh, big win for, for the 99 team as well. This week's segment of You Can't Do That. You can't do that. Who can't do that this week? Ty Dillon, Cody Ware, Daniel Suarez, Carson Josevar, Denny Hamlin, Noah Gregson, Jesse Luigi, Trent Davis. You can't do that. You can't do that. My, you can't do that. From Atlanta this past weekend. Well, we got plenty of contestants here. I could give it to the whole Xfinity series for the shit show they put on on Saturday. And just a boring-ass race. Nobody wanting to move. Nobody wanting to make moves. I give it to... Uh, to the 41 truck team for allowing the roof to <laughs> to come apart, having a damn convertible convertible truck on the racetrack. Didn't really talk about that, but that was a wild shit. Uh, I think it was, uh, oh, fuck. Is it Bailey? Shit. I don't even why I try to remember the driver's name. 41 truck in the, in the truck series. He uh, had his roof, part of his roof come up, and he had to retire from the race. So that was unfortunate. Could give it to them. So I could give it to a ton of cup guys uh, for for some for some questionable questionable uh, moves during the race. Um, but I'm not gonna give it. Well, I am gonna give it to one of them. But my, you can't do that from Atlanta Motor Speedway this past weekend. It's gonna go. Chase Briscoe. Now, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, like, I, like I said, he had a decent fast car. Like, he, he had a fast car in the draft, but once he pulled out, that car just had no momentum whatsoever. He got away with a few things here and there throughout the race, and even Clint Boyer and Ken Harvard talked about it on the, pod, on the podcast, on the broadcast Sunday. That 14 car is like, he's fast, but when he gets out of the, when he tries to make moves, his car just kind of dies. And, uh, you know, coming to 20 to go, um, the 99 car made a move on the 11, and then the 14 car is trying to make a move on, I forgot who it was. He's trying to make a move on him, so there were four wide going into three. And if you ask all the drivers what's the most treacherous place of the track, it's going into three. It's where the car kind of gets the most bottomed out, gets the most loose, loses the most grip. And that's when Chase Briscoe did what he did. Now, to be fair, I don't know if he knew if his spotter didn't communicate to him that he was – if they were three wide before he made his move or not. But if they did, he still made the move four wide in the middle. That's just not a smart idea. And obviously, he goes up and wrecks and uh, collects the 11 
and a couple other cars in the process and end, ended his day, which was a pretty good day for Chase Briscoe. Like I said, he was fast in the draft. He just, once he pulled out of line, he just, it's like that car just lost a cylinder or something. It was weird, but didn't have a lot of uh, of uh, single car speed in the 14 car by himself. But uh, just can't make those decisions. Like if you're going, if it's coming to five to go, I might understand a little bit more, but you had still had 20 laps left, man. It's too early to do that type of four-wide move. Now, you can do it like Austin Centric did on the inside. Just hold your hold your hold a pretty wheel, like Clint Boyer says, and keep it on that uh, white white line. And uh, the other three cars to your right will have to deal with each other. But um, even then, it was a kind of a bold move for Austin Centric, but it worked out. Uh, well, it worked out for him. It didn't work out for Martin Truex Jr. But yeah, it was just kind of a, a stupid move for Chase Briscoe. It, you know, like I said, if it's a couple of laps to go, just trying to get up there, I might understand a little bit more. But like I said, he still had twenty to fifteen to twenty laps to go. Like there was, there was no reason to do to do that, and um, and he did it, and and it cost him. And he, he's getting away with it a few times all day, and then it finally it bit him. I think Clint Boyer in the in the broadcast booth said he was a dart without feathers. And I wouldn't go that far. I think Chase Briscoe, Chase Briscoe did have a few good moments and had a few questionable decisions, but he was able to make it work. And then eventually, you know, it uh, it bit him in the ass. So uh, you can't do that, Chase Briscoe. Well, all right. We got Vegas this weekend. Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. The first non-drafting track on the schedule. See what, uh, see how the new Ford Dark Horse does on a non-drafting track, and see how the new Camry does on a non-drafting track. Um, Chevy has uh, swept each race this weekend, or swept each race for all three series so far this year. Chevy has not lost a race since the Xfinity finale in Phoenix last year with Cole Custer. So it's been it's been a while since a Ford or Toyota went to victory lane. And um, it's completely opposite of what I said for my bold prediction. I mean, I'm looking like a freaking idiot because saying Chevy wouldn't win um, the first eight races, eight races this season. They've done one the first two. So um, Chevy's looking good. You know, we got a triple header this weekend again with, with trucks racing Friday night, I think at 9 o'clock on FS1. You got the Xfinity race, Xfinity, Xfinity race on Saturday at like, uh, I think, 3.30 on FS1, 4, 5, somewhere around there. And then uh, then you got the cup race Sunday at, at 3.30 on Fox. So uh, Vegas shouldn't have rain to deal with, weather, but, you know, you never know. But, you know, this race, you know, I think Vegas is probably – and this is not a, not a, not a shot at, at Las Vegas – other than Texas, it's probably the worst mile-and-a-half track with this next-gen car. Just got to think the way the corners are so narrow and the way the banking is and stuff like that. It It's put on probably the second most or second least entertaining and uh, least action-packed races in this next-gen car. But, I mean, that's saying a lot compared to, to Kansas and Charlotte and, and at, now Atlanta which is a mile and a half. No, it's a little different a mile and a half, but it's still a mile and a half. But whoops. Nashville even. I think Nashville's been better than um, – which is not a mile and a half, I know. But 
Nashville's been better than than Las Vegas the past couple of years, in my opinion. So, you know, it this race, we'll see. You know, we, you know, Hendrick has dominated this track the past couple of years. You know, you remember the first race in 2022 at this track in the next gen car was with Alex Bowman winning. Now. Kyle Busch or Marshall Jr. probably should have won the race. Kyle Busch, I think, should have won the race. He was leading before caution came out late. And then the fall 22, Joey won, which locked him into the championship four, which uh, led to his championship two years ago. And then um, last year, you had William Byron and Kyle Larson uh, win these two races last year. So Hendrick has won all but one race here at Vegas um, in the next-gen car. Now we see that again this weekend. Possibly, I uh, I don't think the Fords will be too fast this weekend. If something's telling me that they're going to struggle a little bit, and not really just because of anything I've seen, because Fords have probably been the fastest on raw speed the past two weeks from what we've seen at Daytona and Atlanta. But I think here in a mile and a half, regular mile and a half, I think they're going to face this a little bit of growing growing pains. And, um, you know, RFK hadn't gone off to a great start this year. I know Chris Buescher got top 10 this past weekend in Atlanta, but he was up there a little bit. And then, obviously, with him and the Joe Logano wreck, I could have gave it Joe Logano. I forgot, I forgot, about, it. I forgot about that wreck. But, you know, I could uh, – or like I said, RFK has gotten off to a kind of a rough start this year with Brad. I think he is the lowest – I think he's the lowest full-time guy in points right now, which sucks because he's – he probably could have. I don't know about Atlanta this past weekend, but definitely Daytona last weekend. He had a chance to win the race and got you know got caught up in that wreck late. And then this weekend, kind of got loose and you know wrecked, and the five car hit him and stuff like that, and took him out of the race. But um, yeah, Brad needs a good run. Sarfke just doesn't show a whole lot of momentum. And then last year they now Brad was fast here at Vegas last year in the fall, but Chris wasn't so. And then, you know, Penske, Blaney, and, and Joey. Joey's the one I could see being fast. Blaney in the section car hasn't been great at Vegas. He's been okay, not great. So, uh, then, you know, front row, I still got to see it on tracks like this. I know they've been fast starting out the gate. Got to see it on tracks like this before I say they'll be, a, you know, a contender. And then SHR just has no, no momentum right now. So, I think the forwards are going to struggle. And then the Toyotas, I think Toyotas will be fast, you know. But you look at Denny Hamlin, it's never been his greatest track on mile and a half. Like, he's got, he's got, like, Charlotte's better for him. Kansas is better for him. Even Texas, Texas is better than him most of the time. You know, like, Vegas has never been his strongest mile and a half tracks. I don't see Denny being super fast here. You know, Chris Rebell almost won this race last year. You know, he's, you know, he got a runoff for, you know, him and bat, him battling Kyle Larson and just hit the bumper. Kyle did a good job blocking him and stuff like that. And so he could be fast. He's good, good at Vegas. You know, Todd Gibbs could be a sleeper here. He's been, he was really good here in the Xfinity series. He could be a sleeper. Truex, he's pretty good here. Uh, he could be an, another contender. 2311, obviously, uh, Bubba Wallace and, Tyler Reddick, that's where the strong points are, is mile and a half. So they could be strong as well. And legacy, yeah, I still got to see for Eric Jones and John Hernemichek. But having all having said all that, I think the Chevys are going to not dominate the race, but they'll – we have a couple of Chevys up there all day, and um, they're going to be hard to beat. And 
you know, I think it'll be a kind of a calm race. You know, usually when you have a crazy race like we had last weekend, you kind of get a, a more tame race the next weekend, especially if it's a mile and a half type of track. And, you know, Vegas is a perfect track to where, you know, you get comfortable. You either got a good car or you don't. And, you know, you can tell the Joes from the, from the you know, from the, from the, the pros to the Joes, you know, and so I think you'll see a lot of uh, spaced out racing. You might have a couple wrecks here and there, but you know it, it. You know I think this race will be a lot more calm. You know, so after two drafting style tracks, I think the drivers are going to be kind of just exhausted from all the mental, the mental gain, gain that or the mental type of game that they have to play with the drafting tracks. You know, just constant side by side racing, no, you know, no time to take a break really because you're, you know, you may, you know, you let off, you you let go of your focus, and next thing you know, you're getting hit and wrecking and stuff like that. So, I think the drivers will be relieved to not have to worry about that type of racing this weekend, and uh, for, for doing it two weeks in a row, I'm sure it's it's taken uh, quite of a mental drain on them. So, I think this race will be pretty calm. And uh, I don't think it'll be the you know the greatest race of all time, obviously, but I think it'll be a solid race. You know, first mile and a half race of the season, true mile and a half race of the season, and uh, to give a decent race. Um, but like I said I don't look forward to be fast. And I think Toyota will be fast, but will they be able to put it together at the end, which has been the problem for Toyota the, at this track the past couple of years? I do not know. Time, baby. So, I uh, I don't know who Riley's picking. The good thing is I get to pick first. So uh, we'll we'll let you know. Like I said, if like I said, you might not ever even hear this episode, hear this if me and Riley can get the podcast done together tomorrow. But um, I won last week with with Justin Haley. wasn't pretty. He got involved in a couple races. He got involved in that lap two wreck. Then he got involved in, um, I think, the Chase Briscoe wreck with Denny Hamlin late, but he was still able to beat Riley's pick, which is Brad, which was Brad Keselowski. Obviously, he did not finish the race after his wreck. So Justin Haley finished twentieth, which was good enough to uh, get me on the leaderboard or get me a point. I'm on the leaderboard now, so uh, we're tied one-one. Obviously, uh, uh, Riley won. Two weeks ago with uh, with David Reagan, and I picked Joe Logano in the 500. So we're tied up 1-1, and I get first pick because Justin Haley uh, beat out Brad Kisoska last weekend. And my pick this weekend, like I said, I don't think Fords will be fast. Toyotas will be okay. I just don't think they'll be able to to, uh, to get it done when it matters the most at the end. My pick for Las Vegas this, this weekend it's going to be the guy that has done great at this track. You look, he had, he, I'm pretty sure he swept this racetrack in 2021. He won in the, uh, he won this race. He, he, sorry, he won the fall race here last year. And 
So he's got three wins with Hendrick at this track. Give me Kyle Larson. I think this track is just – it fits his driving style. This next-gen car is just perfect for this five car. I mean, you look – like I said, he won – I'm pretty sure he swept both races here in 2021. I think this this race three years ago was his first win with Hendrick. And um, 2022, he could have won. He was side-by-side with Alex Bowman coming off of four. He could have won that race. Probably shouldn't have won that race, but he could have won that race in 2022. Um, the fall of 2022, I think he I think he might have wrecked or something like that. He, might, he was in, I know he was up front during that race. And then last year, same thing. Him and William Byron was battling for the win, and William Byron was able to, was able to beat him out. And – um, then last year in the fall, he won this race. So this is one of his best racetracks, and um, it'd be stupid for me not to try to take advantage and get a get a, get a, a true win, two points. I easily, easily could see Kyle Larson winning this race this uh, this weekend. I know he's relieved to to be on a, a non drafting track, you know, because he doesn't really like those these type of tracks. But uh, give me the guy that's dominated Las Vegas the past couple of years. I'm taking Kyle Larson this weekend, and uh, like I said, if uh, if we do this podcast tomorrow with Riley, we'll get Riley's pick. But right right now, I do not know Riley's pick. But can't pick Kyle Larson. I know that. So uh, if we can't get it out, if, if you hear this and uh, couldn't get it done, then uh, next week we'll update you on who Riley picked, and uh, we'll see how see how uh, who we picked and how well they did. But anyways, I know this has been a uh, me talking for an hour and 24 minutes or so with the intro. So uh, hopefully you didn't fall asleep or get bored of me or turn me off. I know it's podcast is not nearly as good um, without Riley on it. But uh, some sometimes shit happens. You know, I got a lot of shit going on too. And and um, that's why I did it, just in case we can't get it done. But um, hopefully Riley will be back next week, and he will be back next week. And I'm pretty, pretty – Pretty positive on that, and um, we had to review Vegas and talk about Phoenix um, next weekend. But anyways, uh, what I got going on this weekend, um, I work all weekend, so it'll be kind of kind of disappointing that uh, I'm on day shift too. So it'll be hard to watch the race on Sunday. I'll be at work during uh, during the race Sunday, so that'll suck. I'll do the best I can to to get everything I can out of it, and I think it'll be a good race. The mile and a half track, obviously, this Gen Seven car is the best at mile and a half, so hopefully, it's a decent enough race, and uh, it won't be Atlanta entertaining, guarantee you that. But uh, if it can come half half of that, I think we're I think it'll be a good enough race for me. Like I said, I work all weekend, so um, not a lot going on. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's about it. I know Riley works this weekend too, so he really ain't got nothing going on either. But uh, like I said, if you hear this, you know, Riley couldn't make it. But if you don't, then I'm talking. I've wasted an hour and a half talking to nobody and wasted my life away. But hey, could could be worse. Drinking beer, talking about NASCAR. Yeah, could be worse. Anyways, guys, thank you all for listening. If you made it far in the, far into the episode, Y'all are real. And uh, appreciate you for listening. Follow us on TikTok at the Highline Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at the Highline Official. 
Follow us on YouTube at The Highline. And follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at The Highline. And rate the show. Rate the show. Um, you know, I think that, do, uh, I'm pretty sure that goes a long way in, for us to be able to get more listeners each week. Um, you know, if you if you listen to us every week and you haven't rated the show yet on Spotify, please give us a, a rating. Uh, five stars would be great. You know, if you want to rate four stars, if you don't like something about our podcast, or, but you still like us, rate us four stars, three stars, think we're average, a little bit above average, hey, rate whatever you want to. I'd rather it be five stars, but hey, I ain't going to tell you what to do. But uh, that would really appreciate, that would really go a long way um, for us. And, uh, yeah, tell your family and friends who are NASCAR fans or podcast fans to uh, give us a shot. And uh, catch you next week. Like I said, hopefully it'll be a more normal episode next week. But for Trent Davis, this has been the Highline. We'll catch you next week. Go Tigers.